This is the Off Duty On Duty Podcast, episode 69. I'm your host, Brian E. Welcome to the podcast. Part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. The Off Duty On Duty Podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners and we tackle them from the perspective of concealed carriers and cops, right? Today, I'm joined by Riley Bowman. And in continuation with the SHOT Show recap, uh, we're going to talk the latest buzz in the industry, which is the 30 Super Carry. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Excess Sites, title sponsor of the podcast. Hey, Addison. Hey, Kelly. Nice to meet you gals at the uh, SHOT Show. Check them out at excesssites.com. EDC Belt Company, the foundation belt. Sponsor is always right. EDCBeltCo.com. CCW Safe. Get 10% off your membership. Enter code OFFDUTY10 at checkout to get the most comprehensive coverage by the most experienced team. All right, kids. It has been a week. I have uh, endured quite the uh, <laughs> the medical episode uh, with, uh, you know, the virus or whatever. So not fun. If you can avoid it, please do so. It, uh, it kind of kicked me in the kicked me in the dirt there for a few weeks. Uh, but we shall endeavor to persevere. While at SHOT Show this year, uh, the, the latest buzz was the 30 Super Carry, and I got the chance to shoot exactly like three rounds uh, out of a Smith & Wesson M&P Shield EZ. So... But my cohort, my bunkmate, Riley Bowman, uh, for our tenure there, uh, managed to spend quite a bit of time with it. So let's bring him in now. All right. <laughs> welcome back. It's been a while. Riley Bowman, my bunkmate, my littermate at the uh, SHOT Show uh, <laughs> Airbnb. or Well, it's not an Airbnb because Las Vegas was uh, rental, short-term rental that uh that we were posted up in there uh, are, are you sure i thought we just like stayed in somebody's house for a couple of days it's, you know just some you know like random dude just let it, us in the door yeah it's like i'm gonna be gone you guys take care of it it was still a fun times were had <laughs> i certainly yeah. enjoyed it it's one of those deals you know where you've got the master bedroom suite that has i guess a sunroom or whatever sort of thing that's been turned into one big room with two queen or king size beds. Uh, so three beds and basically one bedroom suite. It we was an annex. It was the annex. annex. <laughs> <laughs> the nice thing was we had the uh, direct entry exit to the uh, hot tub and pool there. That was that was quite the amenities. I'll I'll commend uh, Mr. Paulson for his uh, selection of the amenities. <laughs> they were suitable. For uh, you know, men of our stature, so especially uh, since he had to act fast after <laughs> the uh, first Airbnb was suddenly canceled due to code enforcement. <laughs> Whoops! Which may have been a blessing in disguise. Uh, I I I like to chalk it up that uh, it wasn't just sheerly because of the Airbnb thing. I think maybe you know some health code violations or something. Who knows? But uh, but fun was had by all and. Uh, it, it was a it was a good time, and 
This shot show was um, surprisingly sparsely populated, which I enjoyed immensely. Um, yes. Yeah, a lot more face-to-face time, not as much hustle and bustle between booths and stuff like that. And I never had to wait more than a few seconds to get my hands on any one of the new products. Um, and the only un- the unfortunate thing and fortunate uh, was... You know, since I missed the bulk of industry day for the LE day and the one cartridge that was noticeably absent at LE day was the 30 super carry, right? Like everything else was there. Um, and so I got very little time on it once I got to the, uh, uh, the actual industry day there at Boulder later in the day. And you guys had slipped off with, uh, the Smith and Wesson crew to a private event, um, where you get to actually put some range time in with it. And yeah, oddly enough, uh, <laughs> I keep getting these private messages and emails to the, uh, the, the podcast that, Hey, tell us about the 30 super carry. Tell us about it. And I'm like, I'm not the guy, bro, but I'll bring the guy on. So, okay. <laughs> so here you are. Yeah, well, I mean, I did get some time on it because the cool thing about that Smith & Wesson event was it was kind of like, I, yeah, you know, one of the hosts handed me a magazine and had me step up to the line and I'm like, okay, cool, I shot it. And then it was like, can I do that again? He's like, shoot as much as you want. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's a, that is a bold statement in uh, the crowd of people that we travel with. Indeed. I'm like, Oh, as much as I want, how much ammo did you bring? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, so, you know, I, I probably put a good all in total, probably a box of ammo, honestly, okay. like 50 rounds or so downrange with it. And so, uh, I think enough to, to make some pretty good assertions about it as a round. So, so did you you shoot the uh, the shield platforms and the Nighthawk nineteen eleven or or? So the Nighthawk was only available at Industry Day, so I only got, and I ran two magazines through that, uh, and that was a fine shooting gun. Uh, with that round, that actually was very very soft shooting. Uh, of course, just about any nine millimeter nineteen eleven is pretty pretty much that way. But uh, I mean, the number one thing that most people Blask is how is the 30 super carry compared to the nine millimeter and recoil and is it less yeah it's less slightly less so in a all steel framed you know 1911 platform gun it's it, yeah it was a very nice shooting round in the nighthawk but that's the only amount of, I, I probably fired uh, well I, I said two magazines I, I don't know if they were full magazines but you know 12 to 15 rounds to the nighthawk and enjoyed it quite a bit the rest of my time was on the Shield EZ and Shield Plus. Okay. Yeah, I got to shoot the Shield EZ. And uh, those guns are snappy anyway. Just, you know, lighter recoil spring. They're, they're really, you know, carry much, shoot little kind of guns, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just kind of my take on the, the, the EZ series from uh, Smith & Wesson is they're not a real high round count gun. They're just... You know, they're comparable in stature to the regular shield, like size comparative, but they're maybe a little bit easier to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, but consequently, the ease of operation, they they kind of spring that dude pretty light. So mm-hmm. um, that was, I couldn't tell a whole lot of difference in 
that gun and the shield easy in nine. I uh, like, I couldn't tell like yeah, a nickels so, difference in the two. So that's interesting because I, my impression, my perception of the 30 super carry in the shield EZ was substantially different than the 30 super carry in the standard shield plus. Huh. Uh, and I, I remarked about that several times. I noticed that at the range at industry day and thought, was that a fluke? And so that's why at the private Smith and Wesson event, I, I, I went back and forth where I was like 30 super carry in the shield EZ nine millimeter in the shield EZ and like shot them basically side by side uh, multiple times. And I still, for me, continued to come away with the, uh, with the takeaway that the 30 super carry in the shield EZ was, I'm not going to say it was a lot different, but, but noticeably different. Mm-hmm. And, and by that softer shooting in the shield EZ than the nine millimeter. Now, contrast that with the shield plus which of course is smith and wesson's updated shield with you know to bring it full on you know in competition with the p365s and hellcats of the world uh in in the shield plus i i i think if you handed me either one of those rounds uh in those different guns and said hey you know shoot this and tell me which one it is i don't think i could have told the difference um, I should have tested that same approach with the Shield EZ just to see if I really could tell a difference, uh, but didn't think to maybe consider trying that until after the fact. So for whatever reason, and I, I do think it perhaps had something to do with spring rates of those different guns. Um, you know, and then also, yeah, that's that's honestly because that's when you look at the at the Shield EZ, there's there's no discernible difference between those guns, whether it's the nine millimeter version or the thirty super carry. I mean, so we're primarily talking about probably springs that are in those guns is all. <laughs> yeah, the 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 EZ. The one thing I did note is the shooting I did with it was with that ninety grain bullet. So okay versus okay. the 115 mm-hmm. and i could tell us i could tell a difference between the nine uh and the the 30 super carry and it could have been just the report it just to me it seemed like mm-hmm. that that 30 super carry had a little more like like oomph behind it um and, yep. and it could have just surely been well, the noise from a lighter if- bullet so if you look at the at the numbers on the thirty super carry, like the pressures of that round are very high. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I absolutely think, yeah, I, I didn't think about that. I, I actually don't think I, yeah, uh, I don't think I looked closely enough at the ammunition they were handing me at industry day. Although I know that it was, I think it was blazer brass, uh, and that may have been the ninety grain stuff. Whereas I know at the range it was the the yeah i think that was the 150 it was definitely over 100 grains um and that was a uh a spear load of some kind if i'm not mistaken or something i remember seeing spear in one of the boxes there may have been some american eagle as well so um definitely you know i could see that i mean if you have a a 90 grain bullet with the kind of pressures that that round is generating that's definitely going to have a report yeah and and it could (laughs) have just simply been that but uh uh, oddly and as is go ahead i was just gonna say and as is common with a lot of rounds you know the heavier bullet it's gonna have more of that softer push 
as or perceived push as opposed to a crack and a snap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oddly enough, right after um, the revolver roundup, I stopped by uh, Langdon Tactical and dropped off a Beretta briefly. And Ernest and I were talking uh, like the J frames and, and pocket guns and stuff like that. And he and I had a pretty lengthy discussion. And now I'll temper this with, I don't know if he was privy to all this coming, but both of us were kind of like, you know, the old uh, hammerless pocket Colt, right? The 32 in the twenties and thirties, that was the M and P shield. That was the three sixty five right. of the era. And there were a lot of bad guys that, that that had a bad day with that gun so it was kind of like we we were discussing like you know 32 caliber like the 327 federal the 32 h&r mag like it's just starting to gain traction in revolvers and it's like wonder when somebody will improve like the 32 caliber semi-auto and lo and behold, like two months later, here we are. Right. So (laughs) I'm not, I'm not saying Ernest was tipping his hat towards anything. It just, it was just odd that we had that conversation about, man, you know, if you had a 32 auto improved something that, you know, had modern powder bullet technology, you know, maybe a straight wall case and all these things. And you put it in, you know, a single stack type platform, like that would be a really viable thing. And, uh, I don't know if federal was wiretapping our conversation. Maybe no, (laughs) but you know, with as many connections, industry connections as Ernest has, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If he caught some wind of it could, could have been, perhaps he was even invited to, to contribute to that project in some way. And I chose not to, I, I don't know, but it was, um, uh, initially when I saw it, I thought, my mind immediately went to 30 Luger, like the Browning mm. high power and 30 Luger. And back in the day, there were some 1911s produced in 30 Luger and kind of a similar concept. Right. Mm. Um, and then looking at from the re- revolver perspective, like, you know, it's been out for like 10 years, the, the three, two, seven federal, and it's really starting at least to- that long. Yeah, it's really starting yeah. to gain some traction with, you know, your dudes that are hardcore snubby guys have started to mm-hmm. figure out, man, this is like, it's like all the performance of a 38 special, but it's almost recoilless out of a revolver, out of a snubby. So, yeah. uh, you know, apply that now to the auto and it's like, okay, this is an interesting concept and we'll yeah see where it goes. And I, I, I'll post the link to the video you did with the uh, the gentleman from... Uh, federal i can't remember his name chris maybe uh, um yeah that's chris lock chris lock, yeah. the, he's a product line manager so he oversees the uh any of the basically handgun he, he's the pistol product line manager so anything within that cci federal spear household of things that uh you know where it's a pistol caliber uh yeah that's that's kind of his purview so and that dude's very knowledgeable you know we've interviewed him before i think two two or three shot shows or years ago um did a similar interview with him just talking about ballistics and especially terminal ballistics and all the testing that federal does you know because 
that again, that whole federal CCI spear uh, uh, household of names uh, there, that conglomerate, uh, they, they kind of know what they're doing. You know, I mean, if you ask anybody in the know what jacketed hollow point round they prefer for personal uh, defense or law enforcement use, I mean, by and large, it's HSTs and spear gold dots. So yeah. uh, they capture uh, a large amount of the market and, you know, they've been doing very well at that uh, making those things for, for some time. So Chris uh, is good. He's good when we get on camera and, you know, he can definitely speak to the nuances and the kind of the inside information on, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what they're doing there. Yeah. I'll, I'll post the link in the description on this. Uh, Cause I found it very informative and I was really impressed with that they didn't start with okay let's let's go with a full size cartridge and figure out how to scale it down they went with a, a small cartridge and kind of scaled it up and so, and yeah. to to really tailor it to work in uh and, and have some terminal performance in shorter barreled guns which is one of the one of the things that I've always um it's always kind of bugged me like 38 special, for instance, um, you put that in a four inch service gun and it does some cool stuff, you know, with modern mm -hmm. hollow point designs and stuff like that. It's your 158 grain, uh, you know, they, they get a lot of traction out of a four inch gun. And then you go put them in a snub nose revolver and the world changes. It is not yeah. the same. And, and it's, you know, when you go to carbines, it's the same thing. You know, a, a, a five, five, six, two, two, three out of a 16 inch barrel does some magical stuff that out of an 11 and a half inch barrel, maybe not. So, you mm -hmm. know, starting from a platform of let's make this work in a short, small gun, uh, mm -hmm. and have some terminal performance, which, you know, which they really hit out of the park with the 327 federal back, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, that was a pretty interesting paradigm shift because, if you look at other companies and other ammunition companies, you know, they're starting to tailor loadings for shorter guns and, uh, which yep. brings to mind the, the 365, they've even got their own, you know, 135 grain short barreled ammo to try to gra grab some terminal performance in a shorter platform. And these guys were like, well, we're going to make it work short. Yep. That's, that's where they started. So cool. Well, and I think part of the approach there being, uh, that, I mean, I, as is the case with many pistol cartridges, if you have a lack of expansion, uh, that's oftentimes a function of that bullet just isn't moving fast enough to reliably get that expansion and, or is being impeded by the layers of clothing that has to pass through or other barriers that's closing up or clogging up the uh, hollow point uh, portion of that bullet uh, here. You got around that, you know, I, I had the, the numbers pulled up here uh, just a moment ago, but you know, like in the hundred to 110, 115 grain range, that's, I think their standard velocity with a hundred grain bullets is 1250 feet per second. So we're, we're moving right along cooking, you know, and, uh, you know, compare that to the 30 and 32 caliber uh, uh, cartridges of yesteryear that were quite anemic compared to that. So, you know, that's definitely a difference maker. 
And just real quick, just as a, a, a refresher, because I, I was trying to remember, there's all these, you know, they came out with this new cartridge, right? But immediately are coming to market with a bunch of varieties. And so the most common or popular uh, uh, grain weight is 100 grains for this cartridge, uh, which is around 1250 feet per second. And that is the HST, the uh, American Eagle FMJ rounds, the Remington uh, FMJ rounds, and also the Remington HTP hollow point bullets. The gold dot is the 115 grain variety and the in that in the uh uh yeah the, the spear gold dot and then the blazer fmj is also 115 grains so kind of interesting there to see some of that so I'm, i i remember seeing a bunch of american eagle uh and and so i'm pretty confident what i shot at the smith and wesson event was the 100 grain american eagle load anyway just thought i'd uh refresh the memory a little bit there on what some of the available loads are as of now from uh, Vista outdoor, of course, to make, you know, the company that oversees all those brands. <clears throat> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm really kind of curious to see where this goes. And the other thing that um, was kind of surprising to me is, you know, typically when a, uh, when a company launches a, you know, a new cartridge, a new gun, a new, um, it seems like they always push it like LE military first. It, it, that's just been my impression or <clears throat> some, you know, tactical application thereof. It's, you know, well, it's designed for X, Y, and Z for military and law enforcement or that, that just seemed to be a marketing thing that a lot of companies did for a very long time. Um, and this is kind of the first real solid departure I've seen from that where it's not, it's not a hunting cartridge, you know, it's not a precision rifle cartridge, uh, and it's not got a military law enforcement application. It is solely designed for the concealed carrier. That's so that was kind of a unique, um, aspect of it. Like, Hey, we're, this is not a cop gun. This is a concealed carrier gun. Um, yeah. and, and I agree with that, you know, and, and I agree in, in that uh, I think the market right now is probably the most primed it could be for something like this to come to market because of the changes that have occurred to the concealed carry space, especially in the last decade or so. Uh, meaning that, you know, we've gone from, you know, first it was everyone started carrying these pocket 380s or 32s even. Um, and like, hey, you wanted to carry a small gun, like that's what you were going to carry. Because otherwise you were carrying a 19, maybe a 26, but even a 26 for a lot of people wasn't small enough. And so, you know, yeah, you were carrying a LCP or P380 or whatever. Then all of a sudden you have, you know, things like the shield show up, um, the P365, the Hellcat, and you're just seeing this plethora of options where people are like, hey, here's a small gun that has a good amount of capacity. And now what else can we do with that? Well, <clears throat> you can only take it so far, right? So 
you know, like I have the P365 XL and I have the 15 round mags for it as well as the 12 round mags. The 12 round version fits, I mean, is very, very small and, and concealable in my body. Even with the 15 round mags, I can conceal it pretty good, but I conceal full size guns pretty well too. So, but for the average person, you know, they're looking at that and going, well, you know, it starts getting ridiculous at some point when I start just stacking longer and longer mags out the bottom end of my subcompact gun. Uh, well, hey, let's uh, let's make it a smaller cartridge. So, I, I just I see that I've seen this evolution over the last decade or so, and it, this seems like it could be. And I I make no predictions here because on our own podcast, the Concealed Carry Podcast, uh, Matt Ma- uh, Marister and I discussed this, and I said. I give it a a good 50, 50. Yeah. (laughs) Which I think is being, you know, probably generous for most new cartridges that are announced And that. I, 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 I see the market as being potentially ready to embrace an evolution like this. Um, But at the same time, it could be like a lot of things that have come and then gone. And, but this is, probably the the right approach like you said to come more at the civilian market rather than le military uh and that's obviously evident with the types of guns that it is first chambered in so um yeah it's i i am more enthused about it after having shot it i'll say that much at first it was like eh you know like i'll just stick with nine millimeter and and even me personally that's kind of where where my mind is at there's not a whole lot of motivation for me to feel like I got to change up a whole ecosystem of guns just so I can accommodate a, a another caliber. Uh, and with as much as I shoot, I don't even want to think about, you know, what it would cost to source ammo for this. Um, they say it's what their, their plan, you know, their hope is for ammo to be priced similarly to the 380. Okay. Well, 380 still a fair amount more than nine millimeter. Yeah. <laughs> There's and, a reason why I'm shooting high volume nine mil and right. not high volume 380. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I came from the era of, there was a time that I didn't own a nine millimeter pistol. Well, I owned one nine millimeter pistol and it was an ancient SIG. Uh, and everything else in my safe was, was 45 ACP third gen Smith, SIG two twenties. Uh, I mean, 1911s. And then that kind of waned. And then it was, you know, I had like five different 40 caliber pistols because typically whatever I'm carrying at work, yep. I, my gun safe is going to mirror that. And yeah. it's surely from a logistical standpoint of, well, you know, I, I have 357 mags, 38s, 45 ACP, nine millimeter. I have one 40 Smith and Wesson left. Uh, but when you start looking at, ammo and magazines and holsters and all of the the litany of other accessories that come with it pretty soon you start thinking well you know uh maybe i should eliminate a little bit of this and i mean i've got three different frame size revolvers um which means three different speed loaders three different speed loader holsters three different uh you know three different configurations of everything so you know but that's kind of a uh, a niche thing. I mean, I don't carry a whole lot of those, but with nine millimeter, um, you know, I just kind of got to the point where it was like, okay, I'm just going to buy a Glock and buy a crap ton of magazines and a crap ton of holsters, and then we're just going to call it a day, you know? <laughs> um, yep. 
So I'm kind of curious as to where this goes and I 50, 50 on whether it succeeds or not. I, I tend to be a little more skeptical just because I've seen some of the cartridges come and go before. Like Um, I said, I was being, I was being optimistic and generous. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Three fifty six TSW, anyone? Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. But, and I was—I've always been a a real, real fond of like the oddball, uh, like ten millimeter thirty eight super nine by twenty three. All your like, mm-hmm. it's your favorite cartridge, only longer, you know, um, <laughs> and faster, and 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 being a hand loader, that's that's kind of gives you a lot of leeway to play with things. Um, whereas this one, it's kind of like, uh, I, I appreciate what it is. Um, mm-hmm. now that I've looked at it, I'm skeptical on whether, how much support it's going to have long term. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I really thought three, three eighty was going to die until the, you know, the Ruger LCP came out. All of a sudden, right. they can't make enough of it. Uh, and then the Glock 42, it was like, where did that come from, right? And yeah. so I'm curious. I, I'm optimistic, but I'm cautiously optimistic on it. I'll put it that way. Yeah. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. So our, our assessment, I think, is pretty similar. Um, you know, can you imagine what this would be, what this could mean for some other gun options in the future. I mean, I was just thinking the concept of an LCP chambered in this. Now, I'm not sure I'd want to shoot it and I'm not sure if it could handle the pressure of this round. But, you know, number your number one limiting factor on an LCP is six plus one capacity, right? Yeah. So if you could take that to even just seven plus one or maybe just slightly longer, eight plus one, like, cool, you know, and maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a company like Ruger comes along and increases some of the dimensions and 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 the overall strength of the design of the LCP such as to handle the around like this but still overall keeps it a pretty small like very much pocketable sized gun like that that could be really interesting to see i think yeah now that's i'm with you there like i completely could see a you know if another company came in with these small i i used to call them disposable guns but, um, cause I, at one time I carried like three of a funny them. story about that, by the way, but go ahead. Yeah. I carried like three of them. I, you know, yeah. in, in the law enforcement capacity, it was like one in every pocket. Why? Because I could, and wasn't that big of a deal. Right. Um, and then, you know, if you, if you could, and that's the gun too, the LCP in 30 super carry, somebody call Ruger, call them. Like, hey, <laughs> figure this one out. You'll sell a pile of them. <laughs> Tell Ruger to stop messing around with that five point seven round, you know, and yeah, get but, a, get on this bandwagon. Yeah, get on the thirty super carry bandwagon. Now that I could totally get behind that, uh, but I'm with you. I'm going to let somebody else shoot it first, uh, just to make sure. But but yeah, one time when uh, you know when Keltec released the the P thirty two. Um, you know, I had two or three of those, uh, just, they were giving them away at PPC matches left and right. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to respect a company that can 
bring a gun to market for about 18 bucks, I think is about the total <laughs> investment there, but right. Uh, that actually works like, yeah. Hey, that's kind of cool. Um, and then I got, I switched over to the LCPs pretty quick and had a couple of those. And I'm actually at TACCON this year. I'm going to, uh, I'm helping AI for Haney McMood in a backup gun class. And, uh, when he called me to invite me, I was like, Oh, I get to dig out all the old hideout guns and just throw them on a table and go check this out. Uh, and the LCP is one of them. So, yeah. Uh, I give you a funny story. Uh, yeah. Very recent. Like I just returned from teaching the class in San Antonio. And, uh, uh, I, so I've taken to this, uh, when I fly, I've taken to this procedure, we'll call it where, any bag I check has a gun in it because those are good. Those are bags that I can use real locks on right per TSA regs. Uh, and, uh, now I'm, I'm flying. Anytime I fly, I fly with, with Pelican cases as my check luggage. So I've got a, I've got a small one. Actually it's a, a Nanic case, mm-hmm. uh, the competitive competing brand, but, Cause it was one that it was actually one I won in a shoot off at the, the active self-protection national conferences last fall. Um, and then I've got a Pelican 1615, which is an awesome, you know, a Pelican air. So it's like, you know, pretty lightweight, but Pelican case. So <clears throat> the, the important guns go in the, in the larger, mm-hmm. slightly heavier duty Pelican case. Then I throw an LCP in the smaller, uh, nano case uh, because again, then I could throw some legit locks on there. And I, the way I look at it, I'm like, you know what, if TSA or somebody manages to break into that thing, they, they're going to have a harder time on the other case. Cause they have some really good locks on that one. Uh, but if they manage to break into the one with the LCP, all right, you can have the LCP. That's, that's the throwaway gun. That's, that's, that's your tip. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. T- tip your server. Here you go. <laughs> Yeah. You, you managed to make your way into here. Well, okay. Here, you, you may have this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty funny. I've, oh. uh, <clears throat> yeah, I've still yet to get down a travel system. So we may have to talk about that because I've sure. got some traveling, some traveling dates coming up here pretty quick. So, <laughs> um, and the, uh, the last time I flew to Burgess's place and put on a class, um, TSA had me come to the bowels of the airport uh, to explain all the stuff that was in my bag. And I <laughs> thought, you know, if I had this in like a Pelican rifle case, they would have x-rayed it and went, okay. But I had like training aids, like rubber duck guns and blue guns and all that just strewn in my checked bag. And they were like, uh, <laughs> these are non-declared. And I'm like, those aren't guns, pal. Uh, <laughs> so it it was an interesting time, you know, when, when you're faced with that, I could be going to federal prison at any moment, like conversation, like fortunately that was not the case, but, um, but yeah, the, uh, the LCP, uh, man, I've got to find mine. I know that sounds completely irresponsible, but it's in a safe somewhere buried in the, the you know, under the wreckage of nine other carry guns that I've probably had at some point but i know the feeling i know the feeling you're like where is that thing i know it's secure i just don't know, I just where, don't it know where it's secure yeah <laughs> yeah i've uh 
I've got I've got that, and then I'm actually taking a two shot Derringer, which I know that sounds crazy, but that uh, that gun actually has accompanied me into some places that uh, it you know was not really kosher to carry a gun, but I needed <laughs> to have something, um, and then a couple of other oddball items. Um, I'm going to go to my dad's and raid the sea camps and some other stuff. So, mm. so yeah. it, it'll be an interesting block. If you're at TACCON and you decide to sign up for Hanny McMood's block, I'm going to be there for one of them. Uh, the second one I can't make. So any other final thoughts on the 30 super carry? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it accomplishes what they've set out to do, uh, like, meaning provide a round that has the the power uh, to get necessary penetration with good expansion. You know, I'm look again. I've got some numbers here in front of me. We're talking 0.35 or 0.3. Excuse me, 0.53 inch expansion, uh, which is pretty impressive for a small bullet as it's starting out as compared with. Uh, and this is of the HST bullets compared to a nine millimeter HST of point five seven one so just just slightly smaller is all so you know good penetration 15.5 inches penetration um good expansion good power right a lot a lot of velocity to it decent weight 100 grains to 115 grains smaller in diameter overall so you get like plus two rounds in a standard size magazine and by that standard for this this caliber so we're talking like those 10 to 12 round magazines well get a couple more rounds if you were to make a gun which doesn't exist yet but if you were to make one that was more like a glock 17 size you probably get at least three more extras in that uh so you know i think they've set out to and have accomplished what they've wanted to accomplish with this round based on what we've seen so far. Um, obviously, there's not been any third-party validation on a lot of this information. But in my experience, at least in working with or talking with guys like Chris Locke over there, I think he's a pretty sharp, intelligent, uh, honest guy. Uh, when he tells me that they've been testing this extensively and, and getting good results from it, that's that's probably true. And their, state, their testing facility is state-of-the-art, probably every bit as good as FBI's are close to in terms of what they're able to do there. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, we'll just see, it just is all about at this point, the numbers and uh, numbers, meaning are there enough people interested out there in the market for this? Will the cost associated with adopting it for the consumer, the buyer that is ultimately the decision maker here on this, is that going to be worth it to them? to get smaller, lighter, faster, but still good performance out of a higher capacity gun. And that's the kicker. So we'll see. The jury is out. Um, federal tells me that they, uh, you know, they've got a number of manufacturers that are very much interested and are likely working on making other gun products, uh, other guns that will support this. So, the more of them that jump on, the more chances we'll have to succeed as well. So we'll see. Hey, great final thoughts. Thanks, Riley, for coming on the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast. Oh, a reminder, check out our sponsors, Excess Sites, title sponsor of the podcast. Thank you, guys. 
Love you dudes and gals over there at XS. CCWSafe.com. Off duty 10 gets you 10% off your membership. EDC Belt Co., the foundation belt. And I forgot to mention in the pre show um, the Concealed Carry Podcast giveaway. Make sure you're signing up weekly. As usual, the link is in the show notes. And uh, for those of you that are interested, I'm going to put uh, post a YouTube link to uh, Riley's like 20 minute video from Shot Show on the 30 Super Carry in the show notes. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Let's give Spotify a few more likes, right? <laughs> the Off Duty On Duty podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting. LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.